Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. SNL with Tom Hanks is over, but we're just getting started here on the Saturday Night Live live post-show recap. And now, you're the two guys who are always trill, always on fleek. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I think I'm on fleek, too. I just don't know exactly know what that word means. So actually, I think I know fleek more than I know trill. So yeah, trill's new. I know Trello, Rich. Yeah, that's true. I know Trello. I get I get my pop culture references from uh, Saturday Night Live. Yes. So we'll have to uh, look that up on the Urban Dictionary and hopefully we can figure it out. So anyway, we're ready to talk about the fourth straight episode of SNL. Rich, you burnt out. Uh, you know what? I'm t- I can't imagine what the writers must feel like. I'm tired from podcasting four shows, which takes about two hours of my week. I can't imagine what they're going through. Yeah, so we need a week a off. Well, yeah. Well deserved rest for everybody, including the podcasters. Yes. All right. So we will get into everything from Tom Hanks and the Lady Gaga also on the show. I got to say, people don't know when I'm joking around, so I'll say it correctly. Lady Gaga the musical guest and talk about her country turn, Rich. Yes. All yes. Right. So a lot to get to. And uh, Hanks was back and Rich, did it live up to the expectations for you? I mean, it didn't. It didn't. Here's what I would say about this episode. Very interesting for me, which is uh, I think some people really enjoyed the episode. Some people not so much. And I would say for the people in the second camp, watching it a second time, jumping over just a few sketches is amazing what it does on a second viewing. It A lot of it held up more than I thought it would uh, with a couple of minor exceptions that we'll talk about. So, uh, you know, I think similar to what we thought, there were no big cameos. There were no reoccurring uh, characters. It was really, you know, his first time back in 10 years. And I mean, Hanks is just a pro. I mean, just really, you know, something special, really fun to watch. I don't know how many sketches will make, you know, best of the year necessarily. I think one will. uh, But I in general, uh, I I thought it was it was a solid fourth episode, uh, given their need to really sort of pump the uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton pre-election stuff. All right. Well, let's jump right into that and let's talk about the debate number three. And of course, course, you can send us your questions live hashtag PS recaps to talk about everything from this episode. We've also been getting them on postshowrecaps.com. So we have a number of questions to get to at the end of the episode. So Rich, it was debate number three from Wednesday night, Hillary versus Trump number three, Rich. Yeah, and I think this is an impossible situation for the show to be in because they've lost all element of surprise. It's our fourth week in a row. We know it's going to be Trump and Hillary. We know it's going to be a debate. We now understand the Donald Trump character that Alec Baldwin has created. We know the character that Hillary's created. So I thought there was a lot to like in this. I thought it was not, I mean, it's so hard to beat the sketch where, you know, when we first had the Access Hollywood tape come out and it was just so over the top. 
But I thought given that, I thought there were a lot of funny, very silly one liners. And there was also a lot of sort of pretty prescient sort of uh, shots at Donald Trump on this. And uh, and how often do we get the host in a cold open? I thought very fun to see Tom Hanks as Chris Wallace, which was very fun. I thought he did a very nice job at that right out of the gate. Yeah, it was fun to have his presence in the mix. But Rich, I did find myself saying that we've done three of these debates. And I feel like that the one of these cold opens that I might have liked the most was that one with the Access Hollywood tape where it wasn't necessarily Trump on the debate stage with Hillary Clinton. Do you feel like that that was maybe too much going to the well? I know that the debate is such a big thing, but we've just done it three times in four weeks. Sure. No. And I think exactly. I mean, and I knew it was coming because there was no other major event. There was the charity dinner that they did that I think a lot of people knew about, but very few people, myself included, actually watched. So, you know, I always wish in a scenario like this, we'd go to the we'd go outside color outside the lines and see, you know, let's see Donald and Hillary talking before the debate or after the debate or let's go to campaign headquarters. I mean, one of my favorite sketches last year was uh, Hillary and Bernie at the bar after Bernie had conceded. It was really, really inspired. So I would hope that coming back from our break in two weeks, we'll have one more pre-election uh, cold open. I, I would love to see something that really just mixes it up. I felt like this was a little bit of an obligatory topic to do and within that, we had some funny jokes, but there weren't a lot of surprises. And truly, the things that they had the most fun with were not he won't, uh, the, you know, the fact that he won't concede. I don't think, uh, you know, his, you know, s- some of the things about like, you know, him calling her a nasty, l- nasty woman. I-, I don't think any of the big things got the big laughs. I think the cold open got bigger laughs from smaller pieces that they decided to make fun of. So I- interesting sort of way kind of going into this. So what were some of the things that you really liked here? Um, obviously, Trump bingo was really funny that when he did say, uh, you know, when he did say that the bad hombres, uh, that she completes her bingo. I thought that was fun. I like, I love, and it's very silly, but I love when he called the president of Mexico, Mr. Guacamole. And then he (laughs) corrected himself, senior guacamole with his wife, Taquito and his children, uh, chips and salsa. I love the little nuance that they added that every time he said wrong, trademark loser, trademark again, just little. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Um, you know, the fact that when he says that he has, more respect for women we have the entire planet laughing very different kind of joke for snl that we cut to you know those the stock footage uh but you know i thought tom hanks really saves it when he's like all right settle down entire planet uh and i like uh, i like that we have a little bit more fun of making fun of hillary here again not much but uh when uh, they sort of when they let her have her opening into talking about the last 30 years and even chris wall is like oh here we go and that whole osama bin laden i thought that was very funny. I like that. Um, and I liked Donald Trump, the little run that he does about how he's backed by the heavy mm-hmm. hitters. He's got Sarah Palin. He's got Chachi and he's got the best Baldwin brother, Stephen Baldwin. Very obligatory joke, but still very, very funny. Yeah, that was my favorite joke in the whole piece where yes. it was that the Stephen Baldwin had said during the week that he does not think that the Alec Baldwin Donald Trump impression is funny. Of course, Stephen Baldwin, the two time celebrity apprentice contested uh, yes. also a Trump surrogate Stephen Baldwin. So very, very funny stuff to have uh, Alec Baldwin poking fun at Stephen Baldwin. Yes. And I, you know, the little things that I liked, like it wasn't a huge laugh, but like when uh, when when Tom Hanks says, so, uh, you know, Trump, Mr. Trump, uh, you're probably going to lose. And there's a pause and he goes, 
Correct. Uh, I just thought that was very funny. And then when they talked about like when he's talking about the media being rigged and Tom Hanks is such a great straight person. He's like, how is it rigged? And he says, like, you take all the things I say and all the things I do and you put them on TV. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. So a lot of a lot of stuff. I, I like that he's a, he's a complete F and America deserves better. So if we vote Hillary, she will be a stone cold B. I thought that was a cute little end. Yeah. Uh, again, because of the split screen and you don't have Alec and uh, and Kate next to each other Alex sort of reverted back to his old live from New York it's Saturday night so we really lost the energy that Kate brings to it so not my favorite end but you know our final debate we put it to bed I thought there was enough fun here to make it a, a very credible cold open and then what is going to be the schedule for SNL now these next couple of weeks so they're going to be off this upcoming week and then they're back for the weekend of we're back the for fifth, the fifth. Is it? Okay. we're back for the fifth yeah so we generally do three episodes in a row through November. Uh, so we'll probably do straight up until what will be the Thanksgiving episode and then take a break. I don't know if we'll get thrown off because we just did four episodes uh, in a row, but I suspect that they'll want to do, uh, you know, pre pre-election, post-election, a Thanksgiving Day episode, you know, Thanksgiving theme show, and then we'll go to break again. Okay. All right. So let's go into Hank's back on stage for the for the monologue, Rich. And Hank's is America's dad. Uh, do you buy in that Hank's is America's dad? I, I buy that. I mean, he's actually not that much older than me, so it's a little bit weird. I think I'm I'm, I'm America's drunk uncle at that point. So, <laughs> no, uh, but no, sure. No. Yeah. 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 But I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought this this uh, the, the monologue was written by two of the new writers, Nick Cockner and Brian McCaney from uh, Little Brit. I, I, I always say it wrong. Little Britain. Uh, Nick. Uh, uh, Nick. You know what I'm talking about? The the YouTube, uh, the YouTube writers. Um, you know, I thought that this was a cute idea. I think that it's interesting that it was written by guys who uh, who made their fame on YouTube where there's not a live audience, because I felt like this premise probably probably would have played funnier as a pre-taped sketch on YouTube than it did in front of a live audience on SNL. Um, but that said, I think compared to some of the other monologues we've talked about, I would always rather them go for something and have mixed results, some positive, some not so positive, rather than something that we're just like, oh, we're taking questions for the audience or, oh, OK, we're singing a song. So uh, I thought there were definitely a couple of funny jokes in here. I would say second time funnier than the first, because the first time I was maybe waiting for a little bit more of a payoff and the second time i sort of just sort of sat in the jokes and and thought some of them were really funny yeah i thought that some of the stuff really worked where he's talking about like oh you have so many guns what what what, that i thought he did something something that i thought were a little bit of a stretch of uh you know the stuff about the weed i thought was a little like some of it really it really worked and other stuff was it was a stretch but uh fine yeah no, no major no major payoff though Yeah. And he does it well. I mean, the good thing is this is something that he delivered very well. And I think what you could see is I think it was getting a mixed reaction from the audience. Not not bad, but I don't think it was it was it wasn't killing house on fire. And yet he stayed fully committed through the whole thing. So um, I like him when he's talking when they're talking about, you know, being in debt. And he's like, I'd like to pay you back, but uh, you wouldn't learn. Also, I don't have 19 trillion dollars. I have 230 million dollars. I like a little stuff like that. And I like that he's, you know, talking about how, hey, summer birthdays are tough. I I thought that was cute. So, so definitely cute. Yeah. All right, Rich, let's go into the uh, first live sketch, which is the Halloween block party idea. Uh, uh, black Jeopardy was first. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize yeah. about that. Okay, yep. Black, black okay. Jeopardy and a little bit of a, of a turn here on Black Jeopardy 
where we have Tom Hanks as the uh, Republican voter uh, out there as the third person in Black Jeopardy. Yeah, this is an interesting sketch and that's the fourth time we've done Black Jeopardy and it's always had an interesting turn. We started with Louis C.K., you know, then Elizabeth Banks, then we just did it last May with Drake and and now. And what's interesting is even though the format is the same, what I really like about this sketch is that basically the what's funny about the scene has been different every time, whether it's a black studies professor who knows more about black history than black people or here we have a Republican, you know, we have a Donald Donald Trump fan and interesting like how we work into actually that his beliefs about the world is not that different than uh, than than black people. I thought this sketch was fantastic. I thought this was soup to nuts. Everything about this was funny. Even the pieces that weren't related to the Tom Hanks character were all really cute. I thought everything on this sketch hit. This was this was was, was to me by far my funniest sketch of the night. I thought that the writing here was really, really strong. And this was not a take that I had ever heard anywhere else. Like there wasn't yeah. a lot of like stand up comedians saying th- this sort of thing. I've never seen this as a meme, this idea. And so I thought it was incredibly clever to have this presented in a way. In, in some ways, I felt like that the joke that Michael Che does during Weekend Update, which is similar to this, like I felt like almost like stepped on this idea of that the Republican voter is, you know, has a worldview similar to black people at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought I don't I wish that they had said on Twitter who wrote this because I thought it was just really, really great and uh, and a lot of funny lines and Hanks delivered very, very well. They walked the line really nicely. Everyone in it, you know, Darnell Hayes, uh, you know, Keenan always does a great job. A lot of funny stuff. And and I certainly didn't see it coming when the thing came about the iPhone, uh, you know, wanting your thumbprint. uh, And then that's how they get you. That's how the government just was like, oh, that's really funny. So it's just just really funny stuff on top of that i thought that the final jeopardy question i thought that that was like a brilliant turn from where they went on it yeah because we had this all like you're all right and i i did even love leading up to that when uh when even when uh when uh, keenan's just like hey man you're really cool and he like w- starts to walk up to him and tom hanks backs up like he's scared and, oh you're just gonna shake my hand they, they really and i'm like how do you end this and then the whole thing about you know lives you know lives that matter was a great i was like well it was good while it lasted doug it was a really like we didn't even need to pay it off like a really smart like okay that's it that's where we're gonna end it getting out i thought that that was just really great Yeah, it was really fun. And uh, again, uh, the decision to not even ask the final Jeopardy question. uh, Really, really good. Also, a lot of the questions that were that come up, as you mentioned, from not even pertaining to that, just some of the stuff that uh, Sashir and Leslie Jones were answering. uh, Really, really fun. I love that. Apparently, similar to black people and my family is the existence of a packet drawer. I thought I I almost wanted to send the sketch to my two sisters just based on that joke alone. I love that. Uh, and I love that the show ends because of the banging of the broom on the on, on the ceiling below. I thought that was very funny. It was very, very good. Also, similar to the David Ortiz stuff, I always like on Black Jeopardy when they have the product placements or like uh, like promotional <laughs> the considerations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Car tape. Car tape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the good chair. I the thought good that chair. Was, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So re- re- really, really good. Um, uh, I miss Jay Farrow on this. 
Yeah, I mean, although it was interesting to see Leslie Jones really started to break, which is uh, not completely unheard of, but rare for Leslie that she really did start to break over this, which I thought was funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anything else on Black Jeopardy? No, just solid. I mean, really, if you haven't seen it a second time, it's really worth watching. Really, really well done. Okay, let's talk about the Block Party musical finally. And we had... uh, a bunch of people uh, sitting around a uh, gathering and trying to sort of uh, upsell people on a Halloween musical. <sighs> yeah, I went trick or treating and I got a bag full of uh, boy. <laughs> this was a tough one. This to me, very reminiscent of uh, from the Christmas 2015 episode with Chris Helmsworth. We had done Deborah's time. If you remember Chris Helmsworth and uh, and Cecily Strong do a new musical called Deborah's time on the piano. And uh, I felt like this was very similar to that. Uh, you know, the premise doesn't really make sense, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, when you given that I thought watching in a second time the commitment to it was very good um i like when she when cecily strong's explaining that witches are slutty that's just a fact um so hanks's commitment in this was 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 fantastic um I don't know. I, 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 I think that, you know, we had a couple of Halloween themed pieces. This was uh, by far the weakest. Yeah, I was smiling as I was watching it, but I feel like that overall uh pretty forgettable all right yeah and it, it was a tough one because again and i this i always put this under the category writing comedy is incredibly hard so right. i say that with but it it wasn't a premise that i could even get my head around to kind of go comedically where are we it's like okay they're gonna have a block party and then they write a musical and they're gonna perform the music so it was definitely like i had a, i had to chew off a lot to get to what was going on um but, you know, and the ending ugh, endings are so brutal. So when you have a great ending like Black Jeopardy, it's so noticeable It's notable because of how great it is. So they this sort of classic. Oh, it's actually brilliant. And we loved it was was not the biggest surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and they still yeah. got away with a thousand dollars for buying it. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> OK. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, let's talk about the uh, CBS uh, new comedy that CBS doesn't win Emmys anymore. So it's time to make some unfunny comedies. Yeah, this premise was ripped from the headlines of my Facebook feed every Emmy season. Uh, this is uh, so on point. It drives me crazy. Just, I, I'm the one watching the Emmys going transparent, not a comedy. Not a comedy. Orange is the New Black. Not a comedy. Not a comedy. Uh, as a fan of comedy, this drives Rich, me crazy. Rich, it's half an hour. It's 30 minutes, so it must be a comedy. Yeah. So I love the premise on this. And I felt like they did a very good job for what you can do. It is so difficult to be funny at intentionally not being funny and being dramatic. Uh, so I, I think that's really, really hard to do. But I thought that they did it well. Dave McCary directed this uh, and and he did a good job. Uh, I, I would say it was more funny in the premise and the sort of the thought behind it than the watching of it. But I like that they did it because I definitely identified with this one. Yeah. I don't know how much uh, more there is to say here other than uh, I don't know how many CBS comedies are would win the Emmys if if they were included. Yeah. 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 I I mean, it's a different I mean, yeah, it's a a different world. I don't I don't know. But I I like the and I like the idea that this would be a CBS show. That's uh, very cool. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Uh, Then uh, let's go. Are we at David Pumpkins? We are. It is. We are at the 49th (laughs) floor, Rob. 
Yeah. We have arrived at David Pumpkins. All right. Uh, well, this was very fun. The hundred was a hundred floors of horror. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, we end up with people on an elevator. I wasn't sure what they were going with the hundred floors of horror. I thought it was uh, originally going to be sort of like the Tower of Terror, where it was going to be like a drop. But yeah. instead, we end up with opening the elevator door after door until finally we arrive at uh, Hank's as David Pumpkins. So I want to tell you how much I hate this sketch. I want to tell you what a waste of time this was. And yet I just laughed through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I laughed the second time even more. And my wife was just, we were laughing so hard. My wife even more than me. Um, On paper, there's no reason I should have laughed at this sketch. This was basically the Kevin Roberts sketch from, from the, from the David, uh, uh, from the Larry David episode last year. Uh, Practically, I mean, the same wardrobe stylings, the same kind of background music, the same kind of weird dancing. Um, There's no, but I, just oh my god i mean tom hanks was so good i mean we forget how funny tom hanks is back in the day they used to say tom hanks could have been a cast member on saturday night live and this is the sketch that proves it because it's it's a very basic premise in writing but it was so funny and mikey day and bobby moynihan and those stupid freaking skeletons were really good And they nailed it. I mean, everybody was so committed in terms of like the performance of, you know, down to the skeletons was really amazing. But I will say for all of those three and and Keenan's always a great straight person. I actually think that the sketch hinged on how well Beck Bennett was in this sketch. He was so good as the straight man. There's a point where he gets so flustered and he says something like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around David Pumpkins. And and it was so funny because then he gets it and then it, it comes back around and he goes, I'm so in the weeds with David Pumpkins. That just made me laugh so hard. Um, yeah, it was just I, I'm interested to hear what people have to say. I mean, it was it, 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 so silly, but, uh, you know, and, and and predictable, you know, on almost every step. But I did like when they're like, so how much David Pumpkins is there? And they're like 79 of 100 floors. <laughs> and Beck's like, why did you go all in on David Pumpkins? This is all of that. That stuff yeah. was very funny. I thought yeah. Keenan was very good in this sketch yeah. also. Yeah. yeah, so it was very good. It's very like, good. Uh, 100 floors, they can't all be winners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so very, when they did get to floor 100 and it's only the two skeletons, I thought it was very obvious how the sketch was going to end. But that dance with that, Ios mio, and everything, it was just so fun. I mean, Bobby kills me every time. I hope we get to see more Mikey Day and uh, and Bobby Moynihan together because I thought that was a good combination. They, they, there was some really funny stuff there. So I, I there, on paper, we should be a-boying and rolling our eyes at the sketch. And yet I just I thought it was really funny. What did you like better, this or Kevin Roberts? I think Kevin Roberts was a better written sketch no disrespect to mikey day bobby moynihan and street Seidel, who wrote the uh, haunted elevator sketch um i would say this was more of a great performance piece that was that was well written kevin roberts i went back and rewatched it because i wanted to see similarities just the cecily as the fbi uh a trainer was fantastic and it, it was it was probably a more well-rounded but i but two sketches that i think we'll be talking about at the end of the year no, no matter what what do you think of Kevin of uh, David Pumpkins catchphrase or, or David S. Pumpkins, I should say. Uh, any questions? <laughs> any questions? Again, on paper, 
It doesn't even make any sense why that would be funny, but he did such a good job with that. That's that is what he will be remembered for him for this episode, which I think is great. I yeah. clearly I think that Black Jeopardy was that was the sketch of the night. It was brilliant, but this was just very, very silly fun. All right. Uh, are we ready to talk Lady Gaga? Let's do it. All right. Let's bring in James Keese, the editor of Exclaim Magazine. James, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Oh, very good. Very excited to hear about your thoughts on Lady Gaga's new look. Gone country, sort of. Yeah, why is Lady Gaga going country? She seems like she's extremely talented. She could do anything. Why this? Um, I don't think I have an answer to that. The whole idea is that her new record is very personal. Uh, it's called Joanne. It's named after her aunt. and sh- And it's also her middle name. So... It's supposed to be this sort of personal, intimate, more quiet sort of uh, album, but I, I don't understand how that translates into glam country Liberace meets Loretta Lynn. I, I don't understand how she ended up at that destination. Yeah, I don't know. Is she like trying to just compete in that market where she feels like that if she wants to be the biggest uh, recording artist, that this is where she needs to go? Expand the base? I don't know if like traditional country fans, I mean, country foundationally is about authenticity. And I don't I don't think that anyone can argue that Lady Gaga is coming at this from as an authentic country artist. So but I also don't know what core Gaga fans are going to think of this. Like, so I, I don't think she's attracting fans of, of, uh, you know, Tim McGraw. I don't know that she's really pleasing the little monsters at the same time. Do you think James, I don't know if you've heard the album is I, I heard it this week. I didn't think the whole album was super country, but I, I'm by no means an expert. It felt like there were some fairly country songs, but some more poppy that more stripped down than country for me. Oh, sure. Uh, it's it's just a less it, it's a really stripped down sound for her. And then there are a couple of things where she's sort of taken on this kind of country pop influence. Yeah. So it's not the whole record, but uh you know, the record just dropped on Friday and uh, advances didn't go out to critics. So this even this weekend, just this performance is sort of among the first things that fans are seeing about this record and this approach. So she's putting forth the country thing kind of first and foremost as the opening song. So that that to me is sort of a strange gamut. But she's she's putting that on on the front page. So. Yeah. James, is this like the bizarro uh, Chris Gaines, Garth Brooks experiment? <laughs> Maybe. Um, what what I what I thought was sort of interesting is it's not really modern country. It's sort of almost back to like kind of 1950s rhythm and blues. My uh, my wife thought it was a very Tina Turner esque uh, performance, actually, like sort of old school, proud Mary Tina Turner. Um, and it is it does sort of. Uh, work in that realm too and that helps explain why uh of all people uptown funk's own mark ronson was uh the guitar player for the first song oh wow two weeks in a row with a mark ronson mention right and uh and he produced the record he's known for producing amy winehouse so very uh very much a traditional sort of um r&b sound that he works in and so i guess that's what he's brought to gaga and and she's gonna Put sparkles on it. Okay. 
Uh, and for the second act for Gaga, the second act, uh, the second song, uh, million million reasons, a little closer to the uh, a more familiar Gaga kind of uh, vibe. She's always been known as a as a piano player, and she's often done kind of ballads like this. So that was a little bit more familiar. Um, I thought the whole thing, I mean, the sort of combination of too much fabric and seeming half naked at the same time was a weird a trick to pull off but the 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 big long cape and the move on top of the piano and the, all the motion with the hat and it just seemed like very much kind of a acted out drama school performance than than a, just a performance of her new song i felt like she maybe got a little caught up in the in the movements that she'd worked out in the choreography as it were and uh and lost a little bit of the song for me but ouch I, I would agree with James. I I, I heard the song uh, when I listened to the album this week. I really liked that song and uh, I liked the performance, but I think I would have liked it better with my eyes closed. I, I liked how it started, but it felt a little very specific, deliberate with the hat. And it, it is weird when someone is playing a very powerful piano ballad and then in the middle they stop playing that piano and clearly someone in the background continues and then they keep singing it. It sort of loses some of the power when it's like, oh, OK, now someone else is going to play uh so I, I i liked the song more than the performance okay yeah the giveaway Maybe. is she closes the piano and you cannot close a mic'd piano without it going clunk and you, ah. couldn't, you didn't hear her close the piano so it was clear that she wasn't playing it very interesting very I interesting it. yeah okay. you think mark ronson was behind her under under the stage playing it maybe maybe he's very talented mm. <laughs> yeah all right then all right james do we know who's the next musical guest do we know the the host for two weeks uh solange is oh yeah that's uh, right coming that's up right. in two weeks uh wow who sister knew of beyonce yes wow and uh and she's put out one of the best records of the year her new record is really amazing so i'm looking forward to that mm. okay solange all right rich we have uh just two weeks to get an education on solange Wow. I, of the things I expected James to say, uh, Solange is the best album of the year. It's not one of them. So, and, and I, I couldn't tell you the first thing about Solange, but I, I will get She's up to Beyonce's sister, that. Rich. That, that just, I knew. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just Google <laughs> the Solange second thing, Elevator and you will find out what you need to know. Yeah. Say again. Just Google Solange Elevator and you will find out what you need to know. On it. I'm on it. Is this going to be more Jay-Z bashing? Maybe. Oh, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and who's the host in two weeks, Rich? Uh, the host is Benedict Cumberbatch, which uh, I'm very excited about. Cumberbatch. Yes. You may know him as Doctor Strange or as a villain in Star Trek, but he will always be Sherlock to me. <laughs> got it. Got it. All right. Yeah. Well, James, thank you so much. Thanks. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Follow James on Twitter at Exclaim Editor. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about Solange in but two weeks. All right, Rich, let's talk about Weekend Update and uh, get back into what, what do you think about weekend update after uh, that? I, I feel like that we started off pretty, uh, pretty hot this season, maybe slowed down a little bit. Did you feel like this was a bounce back week for update? I think it was in the middle. I think uh, I think that overall, the first segment, again, we did uh, exclusively uh, election jokes, um, not as effective as the first two weeks, but better than the than last week, I think. And I'd love to know why I'm saying this behind the scenes, but I would say that uh, Jost was way more effective in his jokes than Che was. 
I don't know if that's performance. I don't know if that's random. I don't know if they're giving Chase certain jokes and Jost is not. I, I, I'm so interested in sort of under the hood. Why am I sort of connecting to a lot of the jokes that chose uh, that, 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 uh, Mike, um, Colin told and not that Michael, uh, told, but in general, uh, I thought there was, there was some really funny shots taken in general. They try to, in fairness, I think go after Hillary where they've been yeah. really silent on going after Hillary. And what's interesting is I don't think those jokes worked. And as I think I said, uh, two weeks ago, I don't think that they were playing favorites. I don't think that they figured out how to find the funny on these very arcane emails that are missing and questions about improprieties of who said what about the Bernie Trump, uh, the Bernie uh, Sanders campaign. And I think we saw it here, them trying to sort of make fun of her, that there's just it's just a hard thing to make fun of. So um, so I think that I, I like that they sort of tried to. I think that was sort of the right thing to do. But I understand that they didn't sort of find the funny on that one. Yeah, I did think that the Hillary stuff was a bit scathing for SNL in terms of like comparing the deleted emails to Lorraine, uh, Lorraine Bracco right. uh, dumping the coke down the toilet in Goodfellas. Uh, I really thought that they were coming out hard. I do wonder if it comes back to when Trump said that the show is unfunny and also part of the media conspiracy to elect Hillary. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they tend to bow to that kind of pressure. I think that maybe they're just like, okay, how many more Trump jokes can we make? We, you know, we, we, I mean, they still made a bunch of Trump jokes. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's a good question where that came from. And I think that it's, it is, you know, the thing that's so interesting, and of course, I'm not going to get political right now, but if Hillary Clinton was up against any other Republican candidate and, and the WikiLeaks thing had happened, all we would be talking about is WikiLeaks and the emails. There'd be nothing else. It would be dominating the news. It's it's inconceivable that there are stories bigger than that in a national election. So it throws off the comedy writing a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that they were that. I, I, I was happy when they sort of switched over to the Trump stuff. I liked the idea that what Michael was sort of going for of like, oh, Hillary, you're talking about how he's like the worst person ever, but you're only polling five points ahead of him. Like, I thought it was an interesting idea. I just it didn't sort of really connect for me as far as like it, it was a great area a great arena but i don't know that we sort of found the, the the essence of that okay then we had leslie jones show up i believe this was her first time at the update desk this season right Yep. First time this year. Uh, and it was really nice to see. I mean, we had talked about, I think, coming into the very first episode when we had done this, uh, the Mr. Robot parody of Leslie Jones being hacked. But it was very sort of broad jokes. This was really the first chance that uh, Leslie Jones was sort of, you know, dealing with that, this thing directly. I thought she was great. I thought uh, it seemed like there was some little bit of either screw ups or, or technical things early on. Uh, but in general, I love that this was very personal. She was really when she talked about being an open book. I love when she said, I keep my, my porn in a folder titled porn. I thought that was just like that just sort of set the tone. And when she's like, if you want to see Leslie Jones naked, just ask. And she was like, just as she's waiting for someone to ask. I thought it was really funny. So I, I love this from her. It was topical because she was hacked. We didn't just shoehorn in some of her standup comedy material. Uh, I think it was one of her funnier ones and, and something that just made you love her more. So I thought this was great. Yeah. Just to, uh, I don't want to say just to piggyback after last week's show, but that, you know, <laughs> let me pass it, you the it, mic, Rob. It wasn't 
a matter of like, and now here to talk about, uh, you know, the latest scandal with the Donald Trump campaign is Leslie Jones. And it's like a scandal. Let me tell you about scandals. You know, she like it was like she was there to talk about the thing that they said that she was going to be there to talk about. It was a personal story. It wasn't, um, you know, it it was, uh, you know, uh, thumbs up for Leslie Jones. Uh, the girl you didn't want to talk to at the party makes her first appearance, uh, here in season 42 as well. Yes. We didn't, haven't seen her since the Jonah Hill episode in March of last year. Uh, and I've always been a big fan of, of Cecily strong. I'm a big fan of this character. Um, I, I, this was absolutely, I I was saying, uh, Mark in the chat room and I were, were texting before the, before the podcast. Uh, I think he liked it more than I did and I didn't dislike it, but I just, I, 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 I'm, I don't think I actually laughed out loud once. I felt like there was a couple of times where I nodded to myself and went, oh, that's good. Oh, that's clever. Oh, that's smart. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily laughed out loud. Um, maybe because now I just know the character so well that I know where all the beats are going to be. It then becomes an execution. Um, but, you know, but I, you know, better this than Willie. I was very happy to see her over, uh, over and, you know, uh, other characters. Uh, but I'm interested to see what you thought. Rich, do you feel like this is becoming Mad Libs? Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is a more sophisticated version of Mad Libs, but it is, uh, you know, it, 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 and some of the some of the sketches are way more Mad Libs or some, I should say some of the weekend update characters. But yes, this is absolutely like we've now exactly honed into uh, how it's going to be written as far as what word she's going to, you know, the malapropisms, how she's going to sort of mesh two different things together. Um, so, yeah, it definitely. And, and as we say, you know, Stefan was Mad Libs. But every week they just knocked it out of the ballpark and it's part performance and part, you know, just, you know, surprising the right, the the audience, even within the Mad Libs. I don't know that. I mean, I was surprised by the individual jokes, but there was nothing that overall made this a surprising appearance. It was a little Mad Libby for me. Yeah, I thought that this seemed to me and maybe it's been a while since I watched it, but I felt like that it was uh, uh, wordy. Like, I feel like it was like it was very uh, dense, you know, it was very dense. Yes. And I feel like that in the past, it's been a little bit more of a performance, more so than just like, here is the monologue of the girl you didn't want to talk to at the party. Yeah. So it's funny. I said that and I looked down, I see in the chat room, Mark just used the word dense as well. It was very, it was very uh, compact, very sort of packed with stuff and less, uh, you know, throwaways and performancey stuff. She didn't even pick up her wine or anything. So it was less even her typing on the phone. It was less being, if you remember earlier, it was like being, she was acting like a woman at a party and this was a woman doing a monologue on, in, the, in the fact that she was supposedly at a party was sort of even forgotten. So mm-hmm. uh, always great stuff. Uh, I like it. I like uh, Josh in the chat room saying is I want to see her with Colin given the chemistry they had in season 30, 39. I do agree. I don't think that there's a shot against Michael here, but I think there might have been more sort of banter. I don't think that she sort of her and Michael have sort of of a chemistry that heightens this particular piece. Okay. Uh, anything else on update, Rich? No, I thought that was good. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Sully on the plane with Alec Baldwin. And so, Rich, now, is this any violation of your cameo rules to have Alec Baldwin in this sketch? Well, you know, no, because I don't consider Alec Baldwin a cameo at this point. I mean, he is an unofficial cast member. We know he's in the house. Um, I love the idea of seeing Alec Baldwin and uh, Tom Hanks doing a sketch together. I don't know that this particular sketch lived up to the hype that was created in my head when Alec Baldwin walked in. This sketch coming in had 
a lot to go for it. I love the idea that we're going to make fun of the character that Tom Hanks just played in a movie. Um, and the premise is very cute that what if Sully has to be co-pilot. Um, for me, it was OK. I was fine, uh, but maybe a little bit of wasted talent here. If it wasn't Alec Baldwin in the sketch, if that was Beck Bennett, would you have liked the sketch more? Probably not. I mean, I, the sketch was what the sketch was. Everyone in it did a very good job. I got a little bit more excited to see Alec Baldwin. Yes, to see Alec Baldwin just play a straight person isn't as funny. There's no reference to Alec Baldwin has had some very notable plane incidences that were not <laughs> referenced here. Uh, so, you know, Alec Baldwin, I think, did play a plane, uh, play a pilot in a weekend update piece uh, shortly after getting kicked off the plane, uh, which was very funny. So uh, but I, I just think that it was a the the premise is very funny of like, well, Sully can't let it go if he doesn't get to be the star of the flight. Um, but I don't know that we had a lot of moves that were that interesting when the little kid comes on to meet his hero. I, I didn't know how they were going to get to oh here. His hero is going to be Alec Baldwin's character, but I knew that's what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I would suspect that maybe this was a sketch pre update and then maybe in the uh, rehearsal, it didn't sort of connect as they had hoped. So they moved it a little bit later. Um, so. Yeah, it was if I was if I was instructing friends and family to rewatch the show, I would say skip over this one. Um, but, uh, you know, some funny within it. Do people ask you, Rich, if I just want to watch a 30 minute SNL, what should I watch and not watch? all the time. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, it's one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm usually I'm often I mean, I know more people that watch SNL via clips on the Internet than I do watching it on uh, NBC. So I'm usually get, you know, everyone tends to know the one or two sketches. Uh, you know, I think everyone will see David Pumpkins on the Internet. Everyone might see a girl's Halloween on the Internet. So I'm usually then directing like, oh, no, all that great. I know you saw the cold open, but check out Black Jeopardy. That's the why one don't we publish that this list? morning that's a good point that's a good uh, the little cheat sheet a little yeah i think the people listening to our podcast aren't looking for the three or four so. best they're looking for everything so. they, they, they're they've already consumed pretty All right. well uh, let's talk about a girl's halloween and i'm actually surprised to see this show up so late in the episode why wasn't this uh, pre-update rich I think just because we had so much, I mean, this is our third Halloween premise in a 90 minute show. So I think that they had to probably sort of pace them out. Um, and I think you, you probably wanted a, uh, you know, a, a, a live sketch, you know, a one pre tape piece before, before a good night. So that's my guess is how they probably played it out. Yeah. Okay. So what did you think of this one where, uh, we have, uh, uh Cecily, AD and Vanessa going out to some sort of a Halloween party? Yeah, I thought it was cute. I mean, uh, you know, I can't say that this is my life experience. Uh, you know, I, I have not had a girl's Halloween, uh, but I thought it was a very cute idea to see sort of what their expectations were at eight and then what it's like, uh, you know, it, it, at the end of the night. I thought there were some funny jokes. Uh, I, I don't know that I, I think other people liked it better than me. Again, whenever you're in trouble, what is the richest golden rule of how to save something that may be sagging a little bit? You bring in Bobby mm -hmm. Moynihan. So I love when he's just sort of getting beaten up and then uh, and then he just starts hosing them down uh, and then it's just oh, I thought that was really funny so and, and a very fun button to this with uh, with Pete Davidson as the Hulk and uh, the green makeup and 80s and 80s green makeup so I will say I did I thought it this wrapped up very yeah, nice very light night for Pete Davidson 
yeah, no, it was very light night. So, uh, but, but in general, I thought, uh, this was, this, this was, this was, I, I would bet that the other people liked it more than me because of just life experiences that they can relate to. So I, I, I don't want to say I didn't like it at all. I don't know that it was my favorite thing. Uh, Oz, Oz Rodriguez directed it very well, uh, very good ending. So I thought, you know, thought it was, it was definitely, yeah, I have fun. a feeling if I showed this sketch to my wife, she would say that it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking at the chat room and I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of Jen is saying that she really liked it. Uh, a lot of other a uh, lot, lot of other people liked it. So I, I think that's All right, great. Let's talk about the funniest pet uh, sketch. Now, Rich, have we done this before? The the uh, a- yes. funny animal videos with the French women? Yes, yes. <laughs> We've done this exact sketch before. <laughs> Adam Driver, January 2015, right. uh, him playing Finn Renal Beads, uh, which was a typo uh, because the the, uh, the 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 crew doesn't like him. This was the same set. This was the same structure. Uh, Aid, I'm sorry, uh, Cecily and Kate wore the same outfits this was exactly the same it just didn't have ron howard doing the worst ron howard impression <laughs> in the history of ron howard i never it, heard a ron howard impression before it was so lovingly bad it was i mean tom hanks is one of the great guest hosts of snl but he is not known for impressions ever and this was uh just horrible it was so i do a better ron howard impression i what i'm talking Let me hear about your ron right howard now impression. this this is as close as a ron howard impression as tom hanks's was <laughs> it was it wasn't even close and it's hard because his for anyone who watched arrested development his voice is burned into our brain as the narrator of that um so again it's freaking five minutes to 1 a.m uh, one of the things that my wife and I were talking about is I actually think that uh, uh, that I expected that there would be a, another Melania moment that they probably were going to do and they didn't. My wife's thought is maybe having Melania be interviewed by Anderson Cooper sort of made her being this sort of helpless victim not work so well. So they may have burned, they may have planned on doing that and then sort of went, oh, wait a minute, we have a problem. I mean, this had to be put together in a- an hour because it was like literally bring <laughs> out the old set bring out the old costumes do the same thing i mean to me i hate to say it but i thought the funniest parts of this were the actual uh, pet videos <laughs> that really the, the cat videos and the Wait, dogs made me laugh now hold on a second so th- i felt like this was long also i felt like that this seemed like it went on five or six minutes the, the, it, it the felt sketch. that way yeah um, yeah but why do you point to the costumes in the set aren't on most recurring sketches the costume and the set the same there's, I mean, the set of course, I mean, they didn't, but again, this wasn't necessarily a sequel. That was America's Funniest Cats with your host, uh, Finn Rainel Beads. Uh, this was America's Funniest Pets with your host, uh, you know, Ron Howard. So it was a strange, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a sequel. It was basically just doing the same sketch again under a slightly different banner. Uh, very odd to me. I, I don't quite understand why they did that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, interestingly, Mark in the chat says Tom Hanks has been doing a Ron Howard impression for years on Letterman back in the day on Conan. People seem to love it for some reason. Is it because Hanks doesn't do any other impressions? I guess. I guess it's and it's 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 America's dad making fun of America's director. I guess I don't. I, I'm a Tom Hanks fan. I'm a Ron Howard fan. I'm I'm not trying to throw shade for no reason. It was. I mean, it was just so bad that it was fun. It was it was so silly of. But to see him doing it was fun. 
Okay, Rich, uh, let's talk about the good nights. Hanks, Gaga, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this got cut off. I had to actually go back and watch on Hulu to really see the whole thing. I like that uh, Tom Hanks is thanking Lady Gaga and Mark Ronson. And he said he thanks Alec Baldwin, who he does not see in the back. And so he says, oh, he's already at home and in bed, which I thought was a funny uh, because I had been sort of railing on that the first two Hanks weeks. Hanks probably listened. But, yeah, exactly. But he was he was, in fact, there a uh, lot of fun. Tom Hanks at the end grabs his wedding ring to thank his wife. And then what you didn't see if you didn't go back and watch on Hulu is uh, as soon as he you know, as soon as they start milling about Tom drops to his knees to praise Lady Gaga and and say how great she was to sort of give her a bow. So true. Uh, Lady Gaga, uh, after sort of thanking some of the cast members, uh, walked back up into the band and was giving the band members hugs, which I thought was. Why does that not happen more often? That was great. Uh, there was a really great moment towards the end where Alec Baldwin and Kate McKinnon sort of grasp their connect lock hands sort of up above their heads and sort of shaken in sort of fun victory. So it felt like uh, the cast was in a much better mood than probably last uh, last week for whatever reason. Uh, but it just felt like a big party on stage. So it seemed like everyone was in a great mood. OK, missed opportunity, Rich, for Alec Baldwin to be Tony Bennett with Lady Gaga. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, that would have been a great moment. Uh, I've, it would have, I was, and, and as we sort of mentioned, I was very surprised that Lady Gaga did not do a single cameo this uh, episode. I was very surprised by that. Okay. Uh, let's uh, jump into some of the questions that we have, of course. Uh, P, hashtag PS Recaps, uh, Scott St. Pierre pulling everything together. Uh, Mike Hasher has a, a long question. Was Alec Baldwin being in a sketch a nod that he won't be playing Trump anymore? And is this an exception to your cameo rule? Uh, and uh, do you have any worries or thoughts on November hosts? Lot to process. I mean, I would say I, of course, we're going to still see Trump. I mean, you're, you know, you're going to see the next, uh, I would imagine, two episodes of SNL yeah, with and, Trump and cold the open. Next, uh, four years, we're going to have sketches of uh, Trump as president with uh, Alec Baldwin. Uh, that is would be the biggest uh boy of my life. Okay. For forget the good, the funniest pets that would get the huge uh boy. So yeah, I was bummed that we didn't see Lady Gaga. I thought that uh you know she usually does a cameo. Obviously she hosted once, but she always does a usually does a cameo often at Weekend Update. So I was sort of surprised about that. Yeah. Um. Any thoughts on anybody else coming up for November? Have you heard any other names? No, I haven't heard any names. I mean, uh, I'm really hoping that we see Green Day as a musical guest. They have a new album. Uh, I am very concerned that we have not had an alumni yet. You know, I love me my alumni. So I'm hoping we get at least one alumni in the in the remaining two November episodes. You want to call your shot on that? I mean, I've been saying Sudeikis forever. It didn't happen. I, I'm feeling like if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen soon. Uh, but I, I really think it's time for Sudeikis to come back. Okay. This is a question from Ike Moore, who wants to know, uh, like Larry last year, do you guys see Alec Baldwin hosting this season? I could see him doing the Christmas show or the finale. I mean, I think that really is very dependent on what's going on with Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, Baldwin is just so great at this. I mean, he's really good. Um, so I I, I don't know that. Uh, I mean, the thing is, Larry David had not hosted. So when he came on as Bernie, then to have him host was fun. But I certainly could see, you know, in a, uh, a late April, I could see Alec Baldwin coming back to host. Probably not, though. But I do think we'll see him cameo more throughout the year, even if it's not as Donald Trump. Mm hmm. Then uh, Mark 
in NYC wants to know, were you surprised they didn't acknowledge that Trump himself said the show should be canceled? Yes, in weekend update, I, I didn't think that they would necessarily do, uh, you know, a, it might be a little too because it didn't come up in a debate, might have been a t- little too self-referential in uh, in a cold open. But I'm very shocked that they didn't uh, that they didn't do something for uh, for weekend update. You would have think they would have made fun of it by now. I almost think they just don't want to give him credibility by even acknowledging that he said that. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah, I don't know how you necessarily respond to that. I mean, I feel like uh, yeah. what do you have, like one of the cast members responding to it yeah i don't think and i think you again you know to have that conversation on the show you have to get into the thing that i believe the cast really wants everyone to forget which is donald trump hosted the show last year mm-hmm. so you want to talk about what a vile this that or the other thing but you then can't forget you asked him to host your show so i think that they want to sort of just step away from that yeah All right, then let's go to Josh Mabe. Were you surprised there was nothing about Five Timers Club? I was hoping for a Steve Martin. Well, this is the Nine Timers Club. Yeah, I don't think so, because there's really no I mean that, you know, he's you know, I think he's now the fifth most uh, uh, hosted uh, a person to host. So it's not a it's not anything specific. I think maybe if in a year or two he comes back and hosts for the 10th time, I could see a great 10 timers club. And again, for it to be Tom Hanks would be super funny since he invented the five timers club, you know, is whatever. So I but I'm not at all surprised that we didn't see it and, and not really not surprised that we didn't see any cameos i figured this was going to be him with the kids rich is it a stone cold lock that hanks gets to 10 times oh absolutely i don't know that it'll be for a bit but i mean hanks is comedically not slowing down so i i don't see there being any chance that it's not okay all right let's go to from uh gene damien buisson as the french resident patron i can tell you that kate and cecily are doing a very impressive job with those cat ladies the accent is whatever, but the intonations, uh, the facial tics, the wee 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 are freaking on point. Their looks are pretty spot on as well, especially Cecily. How about that, Rich? Right. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. They're not unfunny people. I don't want to throw too much uh, cold water on it. I was just more surprised to see it a second time. But uh, yeah, they're very funny. I also believe that Cecily speaks French based on some of the stuff that we had last year with the uh, uh, with the bombings in Paris that she opened the show and spoke French. So I think that that's not necessarily, um, you know, uh, just for comedy. Yes, I agree. I agree. Amy Shapiro says David Pumpkins and Black Jeopardy were the only two funny things. Michael Clark says. I respectfully disagree. I laughed at all except for the 1250 skit. Best of the year, IMHO. So, Rich, can you rank this episode? Can we rank the first four of the season? Well, I mean, the I think the first episode was probably, I mean, you know, this has overall been a strong, a strong season, I think, out of the gate. I think Emily Blunt was probably the weakest uh, just by nature. I think the Margot Robbie was very strong. And then I think Lin-Manuel Miranda and Tom Hanks are pretty equal. I probably say here's what's interesting if you had asked me first thing in the morning before i rewatched the show i probably would have said good cold open great black jeopardy uh kind of weird but funny haunted elevator and that's what i would have taken away from this episode watching it a second time i would say 
it was mostly really good. I think monologue, maybe whatever could have done without the Halloween block party could have done without Sully and, and the, and the pets funniest pets, but it, it sounds like I'm knocking it. It really, I mean, that's still, there's a lot of funny there. And so I would say probably this might've been better than, than last week, but, but both really good. I'm sorry. Uh, then two weeks ago, uh, but, but, uh, both of them really good. All right. Well, Fun stuff all around. And uh, yeah, I, I was watching the David Pumpkin sketch a second time before. So, uh, still, uh, you know, really enjoy it. I think stuff like that just gets better the more times you watch it. Once you know that there isn't a bigger payoff and you can sort of appreciate it is for what it is. I mean, just the individual performances of David Pumpkins is that. Song. And, and by the way, and, and let's not forget as we talk, I know this is the end of the show, but let's not forget as we talked about last week with the Burger King sketch, which was not as effective of they're not you know dave you know tom hanks and beck bennett are not looking at each other in real life they're on two separate sound stages that and they can only see each other via television monitor so the timing of all this and the timing of each other when it's purely performance and energy and crazy dancing and weird looks and then big straight manning is so much more complicated when you're not even looking at the person that you're trying to straight man so technically they did a very good job with that Okay, great stuff all around. Rich, I can't believe we're going to have a week off and then we come back with Cumberbatch. Uh, you know what? I will enjoy the break. Uh, as I said, I can't even imagine what it's like for the crew and the staff to do this, uh, you know, but I'm looking forward to the break. But uh, boy, I am certainly heartened by Benedict Cumberbatch coming back. Uh, I, I Has really he hosted before? No, I'm sorry. I, I should no, no, he has not hosted before. Um, but I am very, very excited that he is going to be there, and uh, I'm very much hoping for a Martin Freeman cameo. I know that that will be, uh, you know, very inside baseball only for the Sherlock fans, but it would be super wonderful to have him show up. He hosted last season, or was it the season before? Uh, he hosted. I want to say two seasons ago. Yes, I think it was two two seasons ago. Okay. So uh, yeah, yeah, season forty. So it'd be great to see him show up. The two of them on on stage together for the monologue would be just great, just to see them together. All right. Well, fun stuff all around. Great job, of course, by Rich Tackenberg at Rich Tack on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much to James Keast for giving us the Lady Gaga perspective and also Scott St. Pierre pulling all the questions and editing the podcast version. Rich, anything else on this week's SNL? No, I think we're good. I think we can all go to bed now. We can all take a nice two-week nap. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> all right, so we'll be back in two weeks to recap the Cumberbatch episode. If you would like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do it. No strings attached. Uh, any questions, you can go ahead and, uh, and send them to us as well. Uh, SNL at Post Show Recaps is the email address. Also, for our iTunes feed, go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.